0: I <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the January twenty second, two 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic DiZutti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the very quick and somewhat secretive visit of former President Bill Clinton to Denver this week. Patty Cahoon from Westward. Now, this was to uh, get some support going for uh, volunteers to campaign, not not an official um, uh, for a lot of the public. Uh, Were you surprised at the secretive nature of the visit?
1: No, because first of all, if you're Bill Clinton, you really don't want to be heckled anymore about your interesting sexual past. And on top of it, he had one specific mission, not just to drum up support, but to drum up cash money. And you don't need to tell the general public about that. They're not going to be donating their pennies. This is not Bernie Sanders.
0: (laughs) Uh, Todd Shepard, editor of Complete Colorado. Uh, Speaking of Bernie Sanders, with... We're seeing him get momentum in Iowa and New Hampshire. By the time it gets to Colorado, is does Hillary have this sealed up, or does
2: she have anything to fear about Bernie Sanders here in Colorado? I, I think she does if Bernie Sanders can get more organization. I think 9 News had an interesting piece several months ago when they talked about one of the reasons they weren't covering Bernie Sanders so much was because they just couldn't get a hold of a PIO. Now for my planned joke. I did not have donor relations in Denver, Colorado. I think Bill Clinton was here in order to, uh, in case Hillary does win the White House, they were looking for IT services, you know, someone that could house an email service uh, in case she actually becomes President of the United States. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Eric Sodman, political uh, analyst, usually have to follow like a French philosopher quote or something about a Latin American dictator. Now it's a little bit of a, a pretty solid stand-up act. So uh, do your best. What's your take that, on this one?
3: Uh, that was great. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was solid there, Todd. I can't, I can't compete with that. Uh, there was a surreptitious quality to Clinton's uh, in-and-out visit to, uh, to Colorado this week. Uh, Patty's right. It was about money. Uh, my son, who lives in Seattle, was in a bookstore there a couple weeks ago. All of a sudden, an unannounced visit, and Clinton walks into the bookstore, you know, with his way cleared by a bunch of Secret Service people. The purpose of the visit to Seattle was no different; it was about money. But he decided, uh, just off the cuff, to go to go shake a few hands here. Uh, Trump, whatever you want to say about Trump, no one's been more critical of him than uh, than I have. He has made Bill Clinton into very much of a two-edged sword in terms of a surrogate for Hillary or an advocate for Hillary here by calling him out and reintroducing all those issues from, from 15 or 20 years ago. country has to decide whether they really want a, a sequel to that particular saga.
0: Ben Gill, political consultant. So we're going to see both Clintons in Colorado quite a bit between now and uh, November. Who do you think campaigns better in Colorado, Bill or Hillary?
4: Well, I think it's tough to beat Bill for a good retail politician, and I think he certainly fires up the base. But um, if you wanted to do big public out loud events, you need to have the principal, and that's Hillary. Uh, You know, this is, to me, a non-story. We have a celebrity in town. Just a few months ago, we had a very quiet visit from former President Bush, who was here to raise money for his brother. So I don't see anything different here. At the closing ceremony of the
0: 30th annual MLK Marade in Denver on Monday, members of Black Lives Matter 5280 took to the stage, uninvited, and addressed many issues, including the Michael Marshall investigation. On Thursday, Denver District Attorney Mitch Morrissey announced that charges would not be filed in the Marshall case against the deputies involved, which was followed by the release of the video of the incident. Patty, we've seen bits and pieces of the video. I mean, we're going to see more of it released today, uh, but we've seen already some of it. Um, were you surprised by Morrissey's announcement?
1: No, because it's, it's pretty much in line with what Morrissey has continued to announce. It's not like we've had any law enforcement officers in Denver charged in connection with a death of prisoners Uh, In this case, it also wasn't a big surprise that the city waited. They were a little speedier than they'd been on Marvin Booker and some other situations. The Marvin Booker video wasn't released for nine months, and that's a fairly similar situation except for the speed. But you could see why they didn't want to do it before MLK Day because people were going to protest. What the city should have known and didn't realize is that there were going to be protests anyway. And I thought it was fascinating to see what those Black Lives Matter 5280 activists did and said that day because it showed what a generational split there is. And not just a generational split, but a class split, because you've got a mayor of Denver who's black, the second black mayor in Denver. You have these longtime leaders of the Maraid who are civil rights activists who are on the front lines in the 60s, and now you have people coming up and challenging them. And if you listen to a lot of the discussion, fascinating issues. People are very distrustful of whoever's in power, no matter what their color is. And we have video of the arguments. And ultimately, the people who had to speak who were planning to speak had a lot of trouble speaking over the Black Lives Matter people. But then afterwards, they made a pretty good case for themselves.
0: Todd, we're seeing a, that was a pretty big deal. The the closing ceremony, of the Marade's not broadcast on television, but the fact that you would have activists take over at a closing ceremony that kind of extends a big deal. At what point does this become a major issue for Mayor Hancock? so, so far, he's been able to survive the kind of being at least a little
2: under the radar of the general population. Well, I think it's already been a major issue for him. When you consider the struggle he had, uh, given that one vandalism uh, time where the, the marchers go down to the the fallen officer memorial and he ordered those uh, police officers to stand down and basically allowed that vandalism to happen, so uh, that cost him morale with his his the police inside his department. Now he's got a morale problem with with young people who, quite frankly, ought to be a, a a new base uh, to his political power, so it's definitely a problem for Mayor Hancock. Uh, I would say that because I want to bring this up again with some other topics that we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, Patty talks about the the speed with which the video was released. Uh, of course, kudos to the Colorado Independent for filing that lawsuit because what we're really starting to see is look. I think open records is a zero sum game. You're either winning or you're losing, and most of the time now, we're only winning when it's by lawsuit. Mm.
0: Eric, this is uh, one in a long line of items that are probably going to impact the DA election this November. And I think folks knew about the pretty high-profile uh, civic elections last year, but the Denver District Attorney goes for election this November. Uh, or Do you think this is going to spur some surprising announcements from those candidates? I think it's going to put more pressure on those
3: candidates to be very clear They're not going to be able to dodge. They're not going to be able to weave. They're not going to try to have it both ways and consolidate law and order, tough on crime, police support with support from, from the left and from uh, Black Lives Matters and other groups uh, such as that. I mean, I, one correction, the DA election really isn't in November. For all practical purposes, very good point. the district attorney's election is this summer. It, I don't even, I'm not aware of a Republican candidate running. It's a Democratic city. The Democratic primary will determine who <coughs> Mitch Morrissey's successor is. I've not, Excellent correction, you're absolutely right. Uh, I've not seen the video, but I've read a blow-by-blow, excuse the the, 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 the bad pun, description of it and you have to say it is disturbing. The bottom line question to me is twofold. Did the police officers kill this individual Michael Marsher? But it's even bigger than that. Would any of this have unfolded if he had not been in police custody? I mean, even if there was not direct evidence of of intent and a specific blow this whole thing, it strikes me like the situation in Staten Island, New York, with Eric Garner, which is, in that case, the guy was selling black market cigarettes and pays for it with his life. In this case, he had somebody who was paranoid, schizophrenic. He's in jail awaiting $100 of bond. That was his bail, was $100, and yet all this unfolds. Patty's right. I mean, Mitch Morrissey, that is his pattern. He does not indict police officers. He hasn't. He has another year in office. He won't. I mean, I think that's a fairly safe uh, wager to make that that is not his, his M.O. Somehow, as a city and bigger than that, as a country, we have to figure out a way to come to grips with this. The pattern, you can always excuse the individual situation. You can always, almost always say there's not substantial evidence to convict. But yet there's a pattern of way too many black and brown and other uh, individuals paying for, for such conduct with their lives. So you've got to solve the problem. And then at some point you have to renew confidence in the police departments around the country because the real people who are paying this price are the residents of inner city, not in, just in Denver but in Baltimore and Philadelphia and other places where police officers are rightly, taking a hands-off approach, or if not rightly, at least understandably taking a hands-off approach,
0: and the victims of crime are also minorities. Ben, I think some, whether it be activists or I think just normal citizens, are asking, if you see so many of these cases and none of them have charges filed, uh, people are asking, at what, what is it going to take to see charges filed? And I understand the DA's point of wanting to take a case that he or she thinks they can win. But at, if they're always deciding that if they win or can't win, that they become the jury of one, and if it, even if they're going to lose the case, would it be better to at least have a jury of 12 deciding if it can be won or lost? Do, does a DA need to take a stand to let a jury to decide sometimes if a case can be won or lost and not just make that consideration themselves?
4: Well, I think that, uh, as Eric alluded to, there's a very clear pattern in Denver where we've uh, see pretty horrible treatment of people in the jail system and then uh, basically no repercussion for police officers, including uh, having these uh, committees and panels reinstate officers that have a history of violence or demonstrated uh, histories. So, you know, I think there's no question that the pattern needs to change you know, I would be very interested in seeing this metric that the DA's office uses. You can look at the Moses L. case and say, why on earth are they continuing to hold those charges when it's very clear that he's innocent and was in jail for 25 years for nothing? Um, So, you know, to me, I think what you're seeing is that the mayor increasingly has no constituency, and it, this is not a generational divide. There was a great piece in the Colorado Independent that talked about the Black Ministerial Alliance in a, in a meeting with the mayor, where there was huge tension. And these are not young people; these aren't the 20-somethings and the millennials sitting there. These are the civil rights leaders from from the past sitting in meetings with the mayor that become that have become very contentious. So I think there's no question that there is a broad distrust of the um, power and authority system in the city of Denver, um, particularly uh, amongst uh, you know minority communities and, and people who are in distressed situations. And I think that the total lack of transparency from both the mayor's office and the district attorney's office is not just lamentable, but frankly, um, it's cowardice, in my view. And I think that they're hiding behind policy. And I think that they're, frankly, taking advantage of the fact that we don't have a very robust media in the city anymore. The Denver Post certainly is unwilling to criticize the administration. And, in fact, where uh, the Colorado Independent identified a couple of thousand uh, Black Lives Matters protesters, the Post didn't really make a mention of how many there were, which I found to be a really disappointing editorial just in excluding information. So there's a huge problem. There's uh, hopefully some increasing accountability coming with this election, but I, f- I fear that, frankly, we're not going to get it, and I think until we see a change in leadership that we're not going to see any change in our systems.
0: The results of an investigation of the 2013 Arapahoe High School shooting outlined the school's insufficient attempt to investigate Carl Pearson prior to the shooting. The report also showed a failure to address threats against a faculty member and a poorly done assessment of the perpetrator as a low-level risk. School officials are also being announced, denounced for their hindering of the investigation after the shooting occurred. Todd, you're an investigative reporter by trade. You did a great job with it. When you saw this report, you've seen, you've seen a lot of damning reports. When you saw this one, what did you think?
2: Well, my first thought really was I can't believe we live in a society where our schools go on these zero-tolerance policies. We kick out kids for having the the rifle that they use in their... Uh, in the band, right, uh, and we, we suspend them and send them home, and then this guy actually makes a threat against the teacher—something that ought to be a zero tolerance, uh, in my mind. Uh, but still, he, we just let him stay there. Um, the other thing—the uh, the, the the cooperation of the or lack of cooperation from the school officials—it's just it, it's sad and depressing when you read this report that that there was so little cooperation. When you go back to Columbine and you look at the changes uh... the way law enforcement reacts on an active shooter situation right we don't wait anymore we just go in Um, one can only hope that this report now will spur some sort of similar change where we're talking about troubled maybe mentally disturbed children in our schools and how we react to them proactively on the front side before we ever get to this situation. And I'll wrap it up by going back to, again, my theme of the day. Uh, we only know this information because the parents uh, took a bold stand and decided to, to sue the school. Had that not happened, we may have not known any of this. Again, this is these are criminal justice records, and I think when you look at all of these cases and you start to take them together, what we're really seeing is we just don't have enough power in the criminal, keep in mind, the Colorado Colorado Criminal Justice Records Act is separate from Cora, and we don 't have enough power there Eric. Um... As Todd alluded to, this
0: hopefully can get something, this, is some, this becomes something that other school districts can learn from, like what we learned from Columbine. But is it time for somebody, maybe in the legislature this year, to mandate some universal changes? You see, some counties think that Jefferson County actually has somebody who looks at um, the assessment of kids in crisis, of its people that are either going to be uh, violent or um, uh, some uh, criminal background, things like that. Should that be more universal in Colorado? I'm going to be a skeptic of that, simply because you can
3: have all the good intentions of the, in the world sitting in the Colorado legislature, sitting in those two chambers, and mandate this law and mandate that law. It ultimately comes down to individual judgment. I don't have a lot to add. I think Todd nailed it very well. But there's this disconnect between these zero-tolerance policies where second-graders and third-graders and fifth-graders are getting suspended for incredible nothing, you know, because there is some little plastic gun, I mean, you know, a butter knife, gun, a lunch, butter then knife, then whatever, stuff like that. What is lacking in my mind is not more laws. It's more common sense and more just using good human judgment. I thought this report was very damning on two levels. One, what happened before the incident, the pre, where this guy clearly had a vendetta against this one teacher, the speech and debate teacher at Arapahoe and that was dismissed as the threat risk and a mistake was clearly made where he was a a threat and, and everyone dismissed it. People can make mistakes, a mistake was made in that case. I think what is harder to accept is what happened after the fact, the post tense of the lack of cooperation, the lack of openness and transparency. And lastly, just to echo Todd, a shout-out to the family for forcing this issue, but not only forcing it with a lawsuit, but at least as I understand it, their main motive behind this lawsuit isn't c- to collect a big check. Mm-hmm. It is to force reform and force transparency, and they have been successful in that regard.
0: Ben, it seems that everything that I looked at of this seemed to revolve around the whole lawsuit angle. The fact that there was actually roadblocks to teachers talking to investigators after the shooting, this is all afterwards, seemed to me a school tightening up uh, so that they're not going to get sued or making sure that they're not going to lose as much in a potential lawsuit.
4: It seems like that would be a room for reform, but maybe I'm crazy. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think any school that has something like that happen is going to be extremely cautious in the aftermath about where their liability is, and um, I'm sure that you're right that there must be some room for reform. I think more importantly, though, are what are we doing to catch these things? We saw the two young girls uh, at a neighboring high school who were caught plotting uh, before anything happened, and it'll be interesting to watch as that unfolds sort of how far along they were. You know, we know that there was a a text tip Uh, that uh, sort of uh, tipped off the authorities about their plans. You know, I tend to agree here with Eric. This, to me, is less about all the legal wrangling and more about um, some societal values and decisions that we have to make. You know, these are young people who are clearly suffering in some way or another. There may be some serious mental health issues that are at play. Um, I think that... Schools have increasingly become equipped to identify these red flags. I think there's no question, and you can see it in how all this plays out, that uh, not all of those networks are connecting. Um, But it's good that we can catch those things. I think what we need to continue to really raise though is our level of empathy and to understand that mental illness is not a choice and that people are, are maybe predisposed to having violent uh, tendencies and, and we need to flag them and try and give them counseling before uh, anything terrible happens. And I think it's also important that we don't do those things in a punitive way so that kids who are young are getting uh, tagged and sort of marked as being troublemaker, troublemakers or problematic for the rest of their lives. Patty Westward also has a little proud tradition of investigative reporting. When you saw this report come out, what was your reaction?
1: Well, Alan Prendergast immediately went after it, who'd spent years chasing after Columbine. And the amazing thing is how little we've learned. We are still waiting to find out some of the secrets of Columbine. We certainly know that both the school and the law enforcement shut down, and if they had been open earlier, let people in, told us more, maybe we would have had lessons that Arapaho could have followed. Instead, Arapaho followed exactly the same model, which was shutting up. I know we don't actually have lawyers here at the table. Yeah. Governmental immunity does protect these entities in some way. So what is it, a PR mission? They don't want people to find out that they ignored what seemed like very, very real threats against a teacher. So I'm glad for the parents that they were able to hold their feet to the fire to get the investigation done. It's an outrage that it took two years.
0: Let's get a quick take on this last one. The U.S. Supreme Court announced on Tuesday that it will take a closer look at the legality of President Obama's executive action on immigration from November 2014. The high court will determine if the president overstepped his authority when he allowed certain immigrants who are currently in the U.S. illegally to remain without fear of deportation. Eric, it's an election year. Immigration is always huge. Uh, Your quick take on this. My quick take is this pits. It's a tough one for me. It pits two values I care deeply about. One
3: is I think immigrants are a net boon to this country, and I don't think you take people who have been here long term, whose kids are, are playing by the rules, whose kids are performing at high levels and just randomly deport them and ship them back across the border. The second value is we're a country of laws, and I think it needs to be arbitrated and determined whether the president had this authority via e- executive action. I disagree with the Republican Congress in terms of their attitude about immigration, but ultimately I think legislatures have to rule we are a country of laws. Those two values I hold are in direct conflict, and I'm going to lose on one count. Ben, your quick reaction to the news from
4: the Supreme Court? Well, I think any time you make a move to create more equity in society and give people a more solid uh, grounding in society, it's a plus. And I think if you look at the trajectory of executive power, it's almost unbelievable to think that they would challenge it in this way, given the Bush presidency. But here we are with the Republican Congress, and I, th- I think that Obama will be uh, will win.
0: Patty, does the Supreme Court set up a major election issue with their decision probably later this year?
1: Well, we're already going to be talking about immigration, whether or not the Supreme Court comes through with that. But I think they will add to the discussion with their decision. I don't know which way it will go. But we're going to be talking about it here anyway because we still have the whole issue of the Lakewood shelter for the refugee children who date from kind of that era, not the Syrian ones, but the refugee children from Central and South America who are going to be moving to Lakewood in the next four months.
2: Todd, wrap it up for us. I think no matter what the Supreme Court decides, I think this is a victory for whoever is the leading Republican nominee at the time. If they say, if they uh, strike down the executive order by the president, then that gives the Republican the ability to say, look how lawless uh, the Obama administration was. If they uphold it, it gives the conservative the ability to say, if you don't elect me, we'll never reform that Supreme Court. So uh, no matter how this plays out, it's a gift to uh, whoever's the leading if there can be a leading person for more than a week, you know, uh, at that time in in April or May, whenever we get around to it, we're assuming the clown car will be distilled by them. But a well, good point. Let's, hope.
0: let's get to our very favorite part of the show: disgrace of the week. As always, Patty, please
1: start us off. Well, as we were taping last week. CDOT released the Environmental Studies Impact <clears throat> Report on I-70. This is a project that has been in the works for 13 years. They gave, they gave the public 30 days to study what they said were three volumes. Debbie Ortega, a councilwoman who's been to many of the meetings, says it's actually five volumes, and she has asked, please, can we have another 30 days to study this project? And all that study didn't include what the National Western St- Stock Show will now aff- will now create there because... this was before we voted, to give the big funding. It's a huge issue that could be a bottleneck in Denver for years.
2: Todd. Uh, The headline on Complete Colorado right now references the No Compassion Athletic Association, the NCAA. And it starts off with a terrible tragedy. A Colorado State basketball player, both of his parents die in a house fire. I I can't imagine having to suffer a tragedy that deep and, and that awful in scope. Uh, A GoFundMe page was started, but now uh, I I can't say that the NCAA has stepped in, but because of NCAA rules, it is unlikely that this person will be able to utilize most of that money. He'll be able to pay for some college expenses. The rest will then have to go to charity. The NCAA is a cartel. Uh, It's time. It's on its last few breaths. Ten years from now, there will be no more NCAA, and I think that will be a good thing. Eric? Two good ones over there. Let me go to the Democratic National Committee,
3: otherwise known as the Hillary Clinton campaign, which is determined to keep their debates between the Democratic presidential candidates a secret, to have them on around the holidays, on weekend nights. I think they ought to replace perhaps the donkey as the symbol of the party, maybe with a milk carton. It, it is not serving, even assuming Hillary is the eventual nominee of this party, it is not serving her well in getting her ready for prime time, and it does a disservice to Democrats who want to tune into these debates, and they deserve to have them at times when people are in the mood or in the routine of doing so.
4: Ben. I'm going to uh, single out the mayor and the district attorney and sort of the powers that be in the city for their continued tone-deaf Behavior on these issues regarding Black Lives Matter and and the uh, the police violence that we see. Say something nice. Say something nice about somebody.
0: Patty.
1: Go Broncos, who are going to win just because the snowstorm is is going to keep the Patriots in Boston.
2: <laughs> Very well, may do so. <laughs> it's odd. Uh, I'm already inclined to uh, this entity, but National Review, dedicating an entire magazine, as I understand it, cover to cover, making the case against Donald Trump. I assure you, Bill Buckley is smiling. (laughs) Eric.
3: I'll go with Patty. There's a rumor of a, a big consequential football game this weekend. I was somewhat outspoken last weekend at the Broncos' less than impressive performance and, and questioning their ability to compete with the Patriots and, as well as uh, either Arizona or Carolina in the Super Bowl. I think there's a good chance I'm wrong, and more than that, I very much hope I'm wrong, and I think, they're, I think they can do it this Sunday. You hear Ben.
4: Other side of the coin, our friend of the show, Susan Green in the Colorado Independent and mm-hmm. the Black Lives 5280 movement for helping to push for transparency from those same administrators that I shamed a moment ago. Here, here, Great work
0: over there. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to uh, big premieres on Channel 12 next week. The new PBS Civil War drama, uh, Mercy Street, starts at 9 p.m. The critically acclaimed All Have What Phil's Having, starring uh, one of the co-creators of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond touring the world and eating, which is just a phenomenal job. It's a great show. Uh, That starts Tuesday at 8 p.m. And the season three premiere, Street Level, airs Tuesday at 7 p.m. The first stop is 32nd and t As always, remember to check out the CIO Podcast on iTunes and our web-exclusive segments on our Twitter feed. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks very much for watching. Good night.